So this morning, um, I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you would say that, oh, but also too, uh, if you um, did not grab sermon notes or if you did not grab the homework, I want to encourage you, grab a, raise your hand and there are ushers in the back and they can pass that out to you every week. We have uh, sermon notes and we have homework. You can follow along, fill in the blank. Uh, they're also posted online for all of our friends watching online this morning. Um, and even if you are not in a life group, like I want to encourage you, grab a copy of the homework and you can do it all throughout the week and it will help you. Uh, Chuck, since nobody's paying attention to you, I'll give you mine. So um, <laughs> you can do the homework all throughout the week. It will help you ingrain uh, what we've said on Sunday mornings and make it a little bit more real to you. So grab a copy of the homework. Um, in particular this week, uh, we're going to be talking about it this morning and throughout this week, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the life of Abraham, right? We are doing a series called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And so from now until Christmas, we're teaching from the Old Testament all the way up through the birth of Christ. And so we're going to be highlighting, of course, we can't tell every story. We could probably spend a month or two months just on Abraham alone, easily we could spend it just on Abraham, who we're going to talk about this morning. So we're just going to hit some highlights, stories that you should know, that you need to know as a Christ follower over between now and Christmas. So grab the homework. You can do that this week. You can think about it. It's a part of your life group. Uh, there's three questions in the homework in particular. We want you guys to walk away on Sunday mornings, and we want you to think like Jesus. And so when you hear the scriptures, when we talk about Abraham this morning, we want you to think like Jesus. And we want you to know that God is interested in you. God knows your name. God is personally, he wants to be involved in your life. And he cares about what's going on in your life. God is interested. God cares. God knows. God's personally interested in you. Um, Pastor Don last week shared the, the passage that um, it says, if God has your name written on the palm of his hand... And we know that's just an expression. You know, God doesn't literally have a hand like that. But God knows us and he's interested in us. So we want you to think like Jesus. We want you to be like Jesus. Um, we want you to focus this coming week on the virtue of hope. Um, that we can have hope in Jesus Christ. That we can have hope in the middle of when our life is falling apart. Or when the middle, when things are going great. That our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. Abraham's hope was in following God, listening to God, hearing his voice that he wasn't, he didn't have a perfect life, right? But his hope was in following his father in heaven. And we also want you to act like Jesus. Um, like Abraham, like Jesus, we want to encourage you this coming week to think about how you can give your life away completely and fully. And so we want you to act like Jesus uh, this coming week as you think about the story of Abraham. So now let me back up and let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that one of the ways that you are like, like Jesus, be like Jesus, the virtues that patience is a virtue of yours. Like, oh man, you just, that just, raise your hand if that's, that's, okay, a couple of you. How many would you say that is not your virtue? Okay, right. So, you know, and I, um, you know, I, I just, it, patience or lack thereof shows up in the weirdest places, doesn't it? Right? Like for me, it shows up most in my driving, right? So, so twice now this has happened to me. About uh, during, actually it was during the pandemic, and she's probably watching online. I remember I told you guys a story. I'm on the Anthony Wayne Trail, and somebody was just 
taking their time. They were going the speed limit, right? And I'm on this, and I'm right on their bumper. I'm just like, oh, come on. You know, I've got to get around you. I wasn't even going anywhere particularly. I just had to get around them, right? And I zoom around the person, and I kind of give them a look, you know, but I couldn't quite see who it was. And you know that look, right? How many, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I gave them the look, and I just zoomed around. And next thing I know, I get off on my um, exit there, Fallen Timbers Mall, and I get off, and the person gets off the same time I get off. And I turn left, and the person turns left. And then the next turn is right, and I turn on my road, and they turn right on my road. I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm not pulling in my driveway because <laughs> by now I'm thinking they're following me. And so I go down the bottom of my hill by the river, and sure enough, they come down the bottom of the hill. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to act like I'm fishing, you know, even though I had nothing on, <laughs> you know, because... And so I get out of my car to walk over the river, and the person stops, and they get out of their car too, and it was a person from our church. <laughs> They're like, oh, hi, Pastor Brad. I'm like, oh, hi. You know, they just keep on walking. You know who I'm talking about. And, and I think this happened last week. I should have gotten, you know, that last week, you know, I had to go to the mall for something, who knows what, and it was before the mall was open. And there's nobody there. And so I'm pulling in, and somebody was in front of me, and I'm just like, you know, come on, there's nobody here. Why are we stopping at, like, who would stop at a stop sign in the mall parking lot when, like, why would you do that, right? I mean, it's the mall, you know, right? And there's nobody there. And this person stopping at the stop sign, you know, I'm like, ugh. You know, and then they pull around in front of Macy's. I'm about ready to pull around. And all of a sudden, the car stops. And the person gets out of their car and looks at me. And they're like, oh, hi, Pastor Brad. And I'm thinking, oh, they knew it was me behind them. But apparently they didn't know it was me behind them. And they were just going to give it to me. When they found out it was me, they decided they better not give it to me. So <laughs> patience is not one of my virtues, right? You know, this morning we're talking about hope being like Jesus. We could probably talk about patience, right? You know, the, the person that we want to talk about, of course, this morning is Abraham. You know, Abraham, Moses is mentioned more in the New Testament than anybody else in the Old Testament. But this person who's mentioned second most, uh, 70 times in like 74 verses, Abraham is mentioned in the New Testament. He is kind of like this paragon, this model of excellence of his faith. You know, but it's interesting because God makes these promises. It's not until Abraham is 75 years old before we're recorded that he actually hears the voice of God. So if you're under 75 and you haven't heard God's voice yet, it's okay. You know, there's still time, right? He was 75 before he heard God speak to him. And when he hears God speak to him, God makes this promise that he's going to give him a land and he's going to give him descendants that would be from his family, that would be from him and his wife, Sarah. He makes this promise to him. But do you know that it wouldn't be until another 25 years? Sorry, I'm not supposed to do that anymore. It wouldn't be, oh, I guess I can. It wouldn't be another 25 years before God fulfills the promise that he made to Abraham. 25 years, that's a long time. 25 years. And Abraham makes all kinds of crazy mistakes. You know, we read in the New Testament, I think we have a couple different passages, Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to how the New Testament describes the life of Abraham. Because sometimes, remember, 
He is mentioned more than anybody else other than Moses throughout the New Testament as this paragon, this example of a life of faith. And sometimes I read the New Testament, I'm like, oh, I can never be like Abraham. I can never have that kind of faith. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews describes him. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. You know, faith is not just this mental assent, but faith is seen as an evidence in the way that we live our life, our actions. James says, you know, some of you say you have faith, but show me your works. And you can't, if I can't see your faith in action, you have some dead faith. It's not really even alive. So the writer of Hebrews says, Abraham had faith and he obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Verse 9, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Trusting in God because he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did his son Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. And Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Some of us this morning, we're really doubting and wondering I believe you've spoken to me about something in my life in particular. But it's been years. And I'm on the verge of giving up. God, it's been years. And I'm on the verge of doing, taking matters into my own hands. That's what Abraham did. God makes his promise to him. He's 75 years old. We'll read about it. He makes his promise to him. Ten years go by. And guess what God does? Nothing. Ten years. God, you made this promise to me? I mean, I can't wait five minutes in the parking lot at the mall. You want me to wait ten years for something, God? Ten years goes by. And finally, Abraham says, you know what? Forget plan A. Maybe I misheard you, God. I'm going to go ahead and go with plan B. And make happen what I believe that you want to happen. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Because Sarah is too old. Says that she believed that God would keep his promise. There are whole chapters in the New Testament devoted strictly to Abraham. Whole portions of the New Testament. Not just one or two verses, but a chapter, paragraphs. Romans chapter 4, we won't read it all, but all of Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham and it lifts him up again as this paragon, this model, this example of faith. Romans 4 says this, the promise is received by faith, this promise of eternal life. It is given as a free gift if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, this is coming from Genesis chapter 15, I have made you the father of many nations. 
Actually, that's Genesis 17 when God changes his name. God changes his name from Abraham, which means exalted father, even though he didn't have any kids. In Genesis chapter 17, God changes his name from exalted father Abram to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. The father of many. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb because, you know, God had promised him 25 years earlier, hey, Abraham, you're going to have children. Your wife, Sarah, is going to have children. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Because of his trust, his belief, his actions, his obedience, he trusted God. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. But there's some other things about Abraham's life that I want to show you this morning that were recorded for our benefit. It was, recorded for, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life. Jesus was raised to life to make us right with God. Now, again, you think, wow, this guy Abraham He's this model of excellence and faith and trust in God. He never wavered. He must have been incredibly obedient, always doing what he was supposed to do. But when you read all of Genesis, I encourage you to spend time this week between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 20, you're going to read about the life of Abraham. And I'm going to make some highlights to you this morning. So let's look at Genesis 12 for a couple of minutes here. And this tells us the story of, of Abraham and the birth of the nation of Israel, the people of God. It says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, God says to him. He's 75 years old. No kids. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. So in other words, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you can be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Do you know who Lot is? His nephew. It says in verse 1, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. It's very interesting. Right away, Abraham takes his nephew with him. It's almost as if, okay, God, I'm going to obey you, but not fully. Did you ever notice that before? Abraham, we're told later on, was Lot's uncle. And we don't know what happened. We don't know if, if it was a brother who died. And so all of a sudden, Abraham felt this familial responsibility. 
We don't know exactly those details of that. But we do know that God called Abraham to leave his family, and he didn't quite do it. He obeyed God, but not quite fully. And that's not the, first, that's not the only time. Later on in Genesis chapter 17, God again is promising this land, and he's promising this child. And he tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, as a sign of the covenant, this covenant relationship, I want you to circumcise all of your offspring at, the, at eight days of age. And so theologians would tell us, people who study this a little bit more intently, would say, hey, don't miss this. God told Abraham to circumcise the boys who would be born from you and Sarah's, from, from the two of you. It's a sign of a covenant relationship, your trust, your faith. My promise to you. And Abraham instead circumcises all the males in his family. It's like he obeyed God, but not quite exactly how God called him to. Sometimes, I don't know, you ever like that? Well, God, I'm going to listen to you, but not exactly. I want to do a little bit of my own thing. Sometimes I feel like I'm even doing a good thing. But it's not what God's called me to do. Anybody want to say amen to that? It's like, oh, this is a good thing, but it's not what God's called me to do. Well, I have this responsibility a lot, but that's not what God called him to do. It goes on back in our passage, and it says, uh, where we're at, verse 4, it says, Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. When he left Haran, he took his, his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. That time, a severe famine struck the land at Canaan, forcing the land where he was supposed to be going to, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. It doesn't really say that God told him to go to Egypt, but the circumstances kind of dictate, well, I got to do something. My wife's barren. The land's in a famine. God, I know you told me to go to Canaan, but I'm going to go down to Egypt. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to go someplace else because things are not quite working out where you told me to go, God. He was approaching the border of Egypt. Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman and you happen to be 75 years old and you happen to not have any kids. Huh. So when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them that you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. That was a good strategy. Talk about, right, this example that I want to follow my life after. Who was he interested in? Who was he trying to protect? Yeah. It wasn't, it was like, ah, oh, you know, have at it, guys. She's old. She's barren. Take her. 
Some theologians say, you know what? The reason that we think that Abraham did this is because he's like, well, God promised me a child and obviously she can't have kids, so, you know, I'm moving on. Wow. And that's not the only time he does this. Genesis chapter 20 tells us another situation. Almost the exact same thing happens. He meets up with another king. He's like the same thing. Like, whoa, I'm afraid of these guys. My wife is beautiful. You know, this is, she's, she's 90. She's not, almost 90 at this point in time. And he says the same thing to the, king, to the next king. He's like, well, you know, God, you've caused me to move all around the place. And it's almost like he blames God for his mistakes. You ever do that? God, you put me in this hard situation. I've got to give in to temptation because God, well, you know, you gave me this job and you put me next to this person and what am I supposed to do? It's like Abraham blamed God for compromising, for being selfish, for looking out for, after and out for himself. Tell them you're my sister. Then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. We kind of move on in the story a little bit. In Genesis chapter 15, it says, Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Now, I don't know the exact time frame, but this is years later. It's not the 25 years later, but it's probably about a decade later. He's probably about 85 here at this point in time. And God has to speak to Abraham again. Say, Abraham, don't be afraid. I know it's been a decade since I've answered that promise that I made to you. But don't be afraid, Abraham, even though it's been 10 years. I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to give you the land that I promised you. He says, God, I don't even have a son since you've given me no children. It's been 10 years. Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, he's going to inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took him, Abram, outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count all the stars if you can. That's how many descendants that you will have. And this is the verse, it says, verse 6, chapter 15, verse 6, that's quoted in the New Testament. It says, and Abram believed the Lord. He trusted, he had faith. And the Lord counted him as righteous or in right standing because of his faith. The Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. Abram believed God. But then all of a sudden it says in verse 8, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess this land? Sometimes I read this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought my life was a roller coaster. This guy's life's like a roller coaster. He believes God one moment, and the next moment, it's like, ah, I'm kind of taking matters in my own hand. I'm kind of doing my own thing. Well, you know, God, how's this really going to happen? I believe you, God. But I'm not sure. Like, how? You know, it's, it, was, it was interesting. I had never heard this before, but 
when Pastor Don was speaking last week, and you remember he was reminding us, he said, listen, I want to remind you guys, he didn't quite say it like that, but he said, you know, guys, right, the Bible is not a science book. The Bible doesn't tell us how God is going to do things. You know, we just trust him and believe the way, the how is, well, you're God, and whatever you say, I, you know, I, I trust you, I trust your promises. Abram's like, well, well, how, God? How are you going to do this? Remember on the next slide, a, a little bit of a timeline as you think about his life. Abraham was 75 when he hears God speaking to him the first time. When he's 85, we just read in Genesis 15, he expresses faith. And then we know in Genesis 15 and 16, Abraham takes matters into his own hands. God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants from Sarah, you and Sarah. But the, he doesn't wait on God. He says, God, you know, forget plan A. It's not working. I'm going to go ahead and do plan B. And so I'm going to take this handmaiden of my wife, and then I'll just take one of her child, and that will become the promised child. He's 85. He's 86 when Ishmael was born. Not the son of promise that God had made to him. Finally, when he's 99, God comes to him again. Genesis chapter 17. And God has a conversation with, with Abraham again. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child. And I'm going to bless you. And there's going to be a multitude of nations that will be, will be blessed because of you. And Abraham does two things. You know what he does? What First of all he does? He laughs. He's like, oh, this can't happen. You know, how can a woman who's 90 years old have a child? I'm 100. And he laughs. And then he says, God, I didn't make a mistake with plan B. That really is plan A. Ishmael. He like lifts up Ishmael and says, God, let him be the one. God's like, no, Abraham, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. I'm going to give you a child. You're going to name him Isaac, which means laughter. Remember, Abraham, how you just laughed? I'm going to give you the son Isaac. It's not until he's 100 when the promise is finally fulfilled, and Abraham's faith matures to this unswerving, unwavering faith that's painted for us. It took a long time, what seemed like a long time, from my perspective, for Abraham to mature. It seemed like it took a long time for God to fulfill his promise, but God did it in the right time, in the right way. He had a plan. And he was working in Abraham's life. And I wonder what God's doing in your life right now is you're patiently or maybe not so patiently waiting for him to fulfill his plan in your life and his promise in your life. There's three lessons in particular I want to give to you. These are your fill-ins. Lessons from the life of Abraham. And they're short, 
Number one, right, when God makes a promise, he will always fulfill it, right? God will always fulfill it. I want to think like Jesus to know that God is faithful and God is personally interested and he cares about my life. And God will fulfill the promises he's made to me. He will always do that. Secondly, when I think about Abraham, I think that God wants us to build our patience. When God wants to build our patience, he gives us promises and he sends trials and he tells us to trust him. When God wants to build that patience and that endurance in our lives, he makes promises and he sends us trials. He allows our lives to go through these trials and he tells us to trust him. Will you trust him during this season? I think the third lesson to remember from the life of Abraham that when we look at Abraham through the lens of Scripture, through the Old Testament, we see that his life was a work in progress. Abraham was constantly striving to give away his life, but taking portions of it back. And he was this work in progress. And some of you, you can have hope in Jesus Christ this morning, knowing that you are still a work in progress. Last slide. There's a, there's a book uh, that was written a couple years ago, whatever, and the title of the book was Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me. And sometimes I feel like Abraham is like, ah. Oh. You know, again, he's this, he's this model of faith. But Abraham doubted God. Time and again, we see God speak to Abraham, have to remind Abraham. But we see these moments when doubt creeped in. To his life. When we don't read the Old Testament and we just read the New Testament, we think, oh, well, this guy never doubted. He had this unswerving faith. That didn't happen until he was about 100 years old. Again, we talked about this, that Abraham, he acted selfishly multiple times. So there's hope for some of us in here who are feel like, oh, I have doubts. Oh, I'm selfish at times. God's still working on me. Abraham, like some of us in, this, in the room this morning, we find ourselves taking matters into our own hands. We find ourselves, Abraham, he didn't lead his family. His wife says, hey, let's go with this plan over here. And he doesn't lead her well. He's like, okay. He doesn't fully obey God. Multiple times, Abraham obeys God, just not quite all the way. God has to come to Abraham and say, Abraham, don't be afraid. Even though he's following, he finds that sense of fear creeping up in his life. We find that he oftentimes blamed God for the mistakes that he made. God, if you hadn't put me in this situation, I wouldn't have to offer this king my wife. You should have thought about that, God. It took him 25 years to mature. There's still hope for us this morning. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, that God has a plan and a purpose, He's interested in your life, He knows you, He knows your circumstances. 
and Jesus is not through with you yet, will you commit your life fully to him this morning? Jesus, I want to give all of my life to you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I know that there are friends that are here this morning that are hurting, that are struggling, that are doubting. Lord, that can identify with Abraham and seen in this light through Scripture. Jesus, this morning, I pray and ask that you would help me and help my friends to surrender and to submit more fully to you. Lord, we confess that there are moments and seasons where doubt creeps up. Lord, this morning, may you give us and may we have a reassurance in our heart that we can trust you. Even when it doesn't seem like or you're not meeting the timelines in our lives, help us to have faith and hope and trust in you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray for those that are here this morning that have been holding back a portion of their life, doing things that maybe they're even good things, but they're not what you've called us to do. Would you speak to us about those areas? Make us aware of those areas in our life that we are not fully surrendering. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job situation. God, I don't know. There's way too many for me to articulate, but you know. So Holy Spirit, would you do your work in our hearts and our lives this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here in our hearts and our lives. Continue to mold us and shape us and change us to be more like you, Jesus. In 